You are listening to Will Ferguson, the pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Canton, Illinois. This podcast contains one of my sermons that was preached at Temple that pertains to the Christian life and living. Exodus chapter 14. Israel had a reminder of the presence of God day and night. And we talked about that last week. And God is going to teach them. And I believe this whole thing, as God sends the Israelites through, He's building their faith. He's teaching them that they can trust Him. That He is their God. And He is strong in their behalf. When you have a breakthrough, there's a time in the breakthrough where you feel like you're going to break. And then you go through, right? I thought I was told about the breaking of the sound barrier, that the, the, the plane, when they were going to break the sound barrier, the plane, when they first were getting ready to do that, it was about shook, it shook, it shook. It thought the plane was going to fall apart. Then all of a sudden, boom, smooth sailing. That's a breakthrough. And this morning I'll look at you about the breakthrough that God gives us people, and I think he may lead you and I, I don't know where you are, it's called the Red Sea Moment, a breakthrough. And I tell you, it is a breakthrough in the faith of the Israelites. They do get it. And I'm going to tell you, there are times in our lives where God gives us these breakthrough moments, these Red Sea moments where we do get it. I call it the mountaintop, right? The mountaintop experience. And at that moment in time when we get it, we all of a sudden, we see what God is up to. We, see, we, we understand what's going on. And we get it, and then all of a sudden comes the valley, and what do we do? We forget it. We forget all about it. Oh, what's going on? And God's teaching us. He's teaching us to have faith. And then we're going to see this breakthrough this morning. The Red Sea moment. It is a moment when a tragedy is coming with no hope of escape. There's no way out. What do we do when we find ourselves in such a situation? And we're going to look at several things out of this story this morning. Let's pray, and then then we'll go through this. Lord, we praise you for the testimony of your word. They are right and they are pure. And Lord, they revive the soul. They, by your word, were warned. I think that's the second part of Psalm 19. Lord, we see your revelation through creation, but we also see your special revelation through your word. And this morning, I pray you help us to see how you work. For when we face our Red Sea moments, we face that time. Lord, you're bringing us about to break so we can break through. Lord, I pray that your your spirit will lead and guide our thinking where we can apply this into our lives. And help me, Lord, to share from your word what I ought to speak, Lord. Just just fill my thoughts, my mind, lead my thinking and lead our thinking this morning. Lord, help us to look to you and rely on you. For it is in Christ's name we pray, amen. So let's look at these things, the things out of this story. First, I want you to notice that God led the Israelites to this moment. Look at verses 1 through 2, chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hahirath. Can you say that? Pi-Hahirath, between Migdal and the sea, and in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering the land, the wilderness shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So God's telling the Israelites, he's leading them, turn back. Okay, here you are, you're on the way, and you know that any type of words, any time you're going somewhere, the phrase turn back is not what you want to hear, not what you want to do. Let's turn back and go to the bathroom, okay? Let's go back to that rest area. No, 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 we don't want to do this. We need to get away. We need to move forward. But God is calling them to turn back. Logistically, this is horrible. They're trying to get away from uh, Egypt. This is a horrible thing to do. This isn't very smart. This is a very, it's a blunder. It would be a leadership blunder because turning back would trigger, and in fact, God is telling, revealing to Moses, he's trying to trigger Pharaoh to pursue them. He's luring Pharaoh in. God, Israelites are the bait. Man, they're the bait. Would God ever use you to be bait, to lure his enemy in? Oh, so, well, no, thank you. I don't want this. I didn't sign up for this. God just says, God will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, i got to talk a little bit about this. This is one of those uh, hard things. But let me just share, uh, as I've read lots of, lots of material about this. When God hardens Pharaoh's heart, he doesn't make Pharaoh choose something that Pharaoh didn't already have in his heart. Okay? All God did was basically pour a little bit of gasoline on the fire that was already burdened. Okay, Pharaoh was already anti-Israel. He was already, I mean, we see that, saw that in the plagues, even at the very beginning. Pharaoh already, his mind, he already didn't like the Israelites. Already. He didn't give them the, I mean, when, when a, when a country comes to you or a people comes to you as Pharaoh, and they say, we want to go to the wilderness, and we want to sacrifice to our God for three days. Now, most of the time in Egypt, if some group came to you and did that, they would say, okay, because Egypt, they were very sensitive to people's, other, people's beliefs. In fact, they wanted to encourage it. But for some reason, uh, the Pharaoh doesn't give Israel the customary, uh, the customary benefit of doing that. He says, no, you will not do that. You old bunch of lazy bums. And Pharaoh, we know the Pharaoh's disposition, disposition towards the Israelites is very unfavorable from the beginning without God's help. But God, here we see that he's pouring a little bit of gasoline on the fire, making Pharaoh's heart even more. He's just stirring it up because God wants Pharaoh to come, come after him. God wants to display his power. And, and I want you to notice, he says, I will display my power. I'll be glorified among the, Israel, among the Egyptians. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Now notice that. He says the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. He's not trying to convert the Egyptians. He's showing his power. God is showing his power. And this is something about God that we need to understand. God is interested in his own glory. 
Now, for me to be interested in my own glory, it's vain, it's vain, right? And Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be your name. When we're praying for God, so that gives us power when we pray. If we know that God is interested in his own glory, we can say, what would, what would that do for your namesake, God? What would that do for your glory if we lose this battle? Moses used that in praying uh, to God. We, the, uh, David used that when praying to God. It was used, God's glory. And folks, we can too. Because God is interested in being glorified and being worshipped as God. So this is God's divine direction. So he is actually luring his people into this trap because God knows he's going to deliver his people through a powerful way. So let me say this. Don't always blame the devil for every difficult thing that comes to your life. I hear people that blame the devil all the time. Oh, the devil did this. You know, maybe God allowed this to happen. Maybe God's putting these, the, these things in place so that you, God is testing you out and that God wants you to see something he can do. And I think oftentimes this happens. God orchestrates things to train us. No, this was a clear leading from God. This wasn't one of those fuzzy things. Um, but this wasn't a smart move. When the Pharaoh saw this, he said, look, Moses really bungled. Now, some people believe that, that Pharaoh was actually was waiting for three days. He was thinking they were going to go for three days and sacrifice, and they were going to come back. But when Pharaoh saw that they weren't coming back, that's when Pharaoh said, okay, I'm going after them. I'm going to, they're my slaves, my, my servants, my slaves. Okay, so we see that God led the Israelites. And sometimes God will lead you to a Red Sea moment, to a dead end, to a place that's difficult. So he can show himself powerful in our lives. Now, not every bad thing that happens in our life is from the devil. Sometimes God puts us in places so that he can receive glory. He can do something mighty. So secondly, I want you to notice the cry of the people. The cry of the people. Verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people have fled. Let me, let me move on down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me, verse, verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told the people have fled, the, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done? We have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot, took his army with him. He took 600 chosen chariots. And all the other chariots of Pharaoh, officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the Pharaoh, heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel, while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. Have you, have you noticed that word? May, I don't know, your, word, your Bibles may use a different word. But in the Hebrew, it means they were cocky. After, after the final plague, and they were leaving Israel, and they plundered the Egyptians, Israel was going out, that's right, we've got this. And they were all, they were cocky, and they were all on mountain, top of the mountain. They just received this victory. They were cocky, they were emotion, emotional high. And then Pharaoh sees this, and of course all this weighs down. Pharaoh can't let them win, I can't let them have this. And so Pharaoh begins to pursue them. And this emotional roller coaster Israel goes through is incredible. Okay, so here they are going out defiantly. Verse 9, the Egyptians pursued them. All Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and camped by the sea by Pihahiroth in front of Baal Zephon. Now look at verse 10. Pharaoh drew near 
the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is it not this? We said to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. Man, talk about a change. They're strutting, and all of a sudden, (laughs) Moses, what are you doing? They're crying out to God. They see the army. Now, we understand this because they're scared. I don't know if you've ever had your life threatened. You've ever been scared for your life. Had somebody shooting at you or or anything like that? I'm going to tell you something. It it throws the panic in you big time. You, you, your life is at risk. Now, we're, we live in America. We're pretty, we're pretty secure in our, in our country, fairly secure for the most part. Uh, we can go out, here, especially here in Kent, we can go out and walk around. We don't have to worry about people uh, about getting killed or getting shot or getting hurt. But when, this, when the, the shadow of death comes upon us, it's quite a scary thing. And you see the Israelites, they, they see the, the Pharaoh army. And when they were, they forgot all about strutting out of Egypt. But now all of a sudden, this roller coaster, they see the, the Egyptians and they're scared. They're really scared and they see that they're going to die. They're certain of it. And they say to Moses, they throw up all these reasons. Isn't this what we said to you? Just leave us alone, Moses. We were happy serving the Egypt. We were happy in our slavery. You should have just left us alone, Moses. <laughs> and, and they did say that, but they did change their tune when they left. Oh, we're going to be free. We're gonna be. And so there's this roller coaster. It's just like, I want to be free. And then, no, I don't because it's too hard. I want to be free. No, I don't because it's too hard. It's too scary. Now, leaving the familiar and moving into the unfamiliar is scary. It is scary. The master from the past wants to enslave us. And as we move into new territory, it's very tempting to want to go back to what we know, even though what we used to know enslaved us. You know, it's interesting because when, uh, when after the Civil War, when the slaves, when Lincoln, the Emancipation Proclamation, when the slaves were set free, did you know that many of those slaves went back to their slave owners and said, can we serve? In your house? Why? Serve in your house? Why? Why would they do that? Because they did not know how to live free. They went back to what was familiar. And that's interesting. Because when Christ calls us away from our sin, our bondage of sin, we have to move away from it, but it's very uncomfortable because we do not know how to live as free. So, we have a tendency to want to go back to the old master and serve that old master. And God says, no, 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 no. That master's done. I've crucified that old master. He's dead. You're not going back to it. There was a, there, you know, there, there's, something, there's something about that. When a Christian, when we, when we make a commitment to want to grow and do something, We've made this commitment. We're, we're free. We're ready to pursue God. And all of a sudden, the past comes back and starts to drag us back into the past. And this is what we're seeing. The past is trying to drag Israel back into the past and put them into bondage. And God wants to set them free. Their willpower is very weak. They're saying that they would prefer slavery. But I want to tell you this morning, God loves us just as we are, 
but he loves us too much to let us stay there. God wants us to change. He wants us to move into the freedom that he has called us to. But all change is painful. All change is painful. I remember a few years ago, even, even, even years before that, I go on diets, and sometimes successfully I, I'm successful, and I lose several pounds and, and all that. Uh, this last time, it was in 2007, I lost 60 pounds, okay? That was pretty good. I felt pretty good. But did you know, after I lost that weight, I started missing being heavy? Did you know that? Isn't it weird? You said, no way. Uh, you know, it's weird how you start missing something. Well, why? I, I don't want that. I don't want that. And, you know, and you know, all, the, all the way you used to eat and all that kind of thing. The master wants to pull us back. And we, God wants us to cut free from that. Because why? All change is painful. To walk into the newness of life is unfamiliar territory. And we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. This newness of life is a life where we got to trust God to lead us to the next step. But the last one, the, where we were, we knew what we were doing. <laughs> we were doing it. We were, we, weren't, we were not fulfilled in it. We were regretting it. We hated it. And that's kind of how it is. You know, God's, God called Abraham to leave his home country. And he says, I will go to a land I will show you, Abraham. Just go. I'll show you when you get there. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Abraham left, and he was just walking. And, I don't know where I'm going. But I will, when I get there, God's going to say, this is it. But Abraham had the promise. Abraham had promised you. God told Abraham, I will, wherever you go, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Right? It's going to be good, Abraham. So you don't have to know what it is, but you know it's going to be good. I'm going to bless you. But he also said, anybody that curses you, Abraham, I'm going to curse. So any, if, any, if you have any problems with anybody, they're going to be cursed. Somebody that blesses you, Abraham, I'm going to bless. So, so, Abraham didn't know where he was going. All he knew that where he was going, God promised it was going to be good. He was going to protect him. He's going to take care of him. And that's kind of how it is with us. You know, we leave this familiar past behind us, all these things we depend on for, for life, for satisfaction, for contentment. And then we move on to with God. Things get really hard. And we have to depend on God. We have to look to him moment by moment to help us through. And it's when we start walking this way, we start feeling blessed. We have the peace of God. We start, we experience the joy of God. We feel content. We feel satisfied. Not when we were living for ourselves, but when we were living for God. So the cry of the people, they understandably, understandably, they were overwhelmed with fear. But I want you to notice, God does not rebuke them. This is a time when God is growing their faith. He understands that they're going to be afraid. He understands the fears there. Now, there's two types of fear. There's individual fear, and then there's group fear. When There's a type of fear where you experience it by yourself, you're, but when you're in a group and everybody's afraid, even when you're not afraid, you all start, you start feeling afraid because of the group. It's just contagious. And here they are, they're seeing the, the Egyptian army coming, and they're all afraid. Can you imagine? how great that fear must have been as they saw them. So Moses gave them some instruction after they cried out and they're out of fear and they said all what they said. Moses gave us, this is what we need to do when we face a situation like this. Four things, four things. Now I want you to notice, Moses doesn't know what God's going to do yet. He doesn't know the plan, but he gives them four things. 
The first thing he tells them, he says, don't be afraid. You go back where that's at. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, fear not. He says, don't be afraid. <laughs> that's easier said than done. But Moses, Moses, yeah, here's here, we've seen Moses' faith. Moses now, by this time, Moses' faith, he knows God's got a plan. He knows that God didn't take him out here to kill him. This isn't God's purpose. Even Joseph knew that God wasn't taking them so his bones would be stuck there in the wilderness. That it would make it to the promised land. Right? So don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid. The second one, he says, stand firm. Be confident. Be confident. Stand firm. Don't give in to the fear. Did you know that stress, fearful thinking, when you're, when you're given to fear and stress, did you know that your ability to think creatively goes way down? But if you can, if you can relieve yourself of the stress and fear, then your brain can, you can think creatively. You're free to think. But when you're afraid, you start doing stupid things. You do crazy things. Make a lot of mistakes. So he tells them, don't be afraid. Stand firm. And the third thing he says, um, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. He says, look. He says, don't be afraid. Stand firm and look around you. Look at what God's going to do. God's going to do something. Be on the lookout. Check it out. And the fourth thing, he says something. He says, shut up. Just be quiet. Stop. Because when somebody starts, somebody starts, ooh, ooh, like this, another person starts, ooh, ooh. So he's, he's trying to quell, trying to stop the group fear, the group panic. Just stop. Just shut up. Be quiet. God's going to do something. Watch. Listen. Pay attention. Moses was absolutely confident in this situation. The Red Sea. Here's the Red Sea. You've got the Egyptians coming and the Israelites are trapped. Moses was absolutely confident that God was going to show up and that God had a plan. And you and I, when we face a Red Sea moment, and I say this confidently, but I'm going to tell you, I can be just as cowardly as those, those Egyptians. I mean, those Israelites. When we face this situation, our back's up against the wall, we don't know what's going to happen. And we're scared. We need to be confident that God is going to show up and help us through that. We need to have confidence in Moses. Moses has seen it enough times. He said, I know there's, I know God. I know the way God thinks. I know he didn't bring us out here to kill us. That's not his purpose. You know how insulting that would have been to God? Israelites to say, God brought us out here to kill us? <laughs> I didn't do that. What, how stupid would that have been to bring the children of Israel to all through that rigmarole with the plagues and all that and bring them out there just for them to die? That's ridiculous. When the, all the purposes of the, of the Old Testament in Genesis of God bringing them in the promised land, is, it stands. It's like God couldn't keep his promise? No. So Moses began to understand that God was going to keep his promise, and he was confident. So we need to understand that about God too. 
when we can't see God, when we don't know what's, what He's up to, we can be, we, we, we don't have to be afraid. We can stand firm. We just look for what He's doing. We just need to be silent. We can be confident. All right. So we go on and continue in verse, verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the, now, God gives some more instruction here. Now, Moses is, Moses is actually praying. And this, God's not really rebuking here. This is not a very good translation of the Hebrew. But God's saying, God's saying, you, you know what we're going to do here, Moses. Okay? So, so he doesn't rebuke him. But Moses is wanting instruction. So God gives instruction. And look at what God tells him. God says, uh, tell the people of Israel to go forward. To go forward. What? Tell them to go forward. Now, what, what he's going to do, he's going to tell them, okay, Israel. And he says, all the stuff I told you before, but now I want you. God tells me he wants you to move forward. So they're going to move forward into the Red Sea. They're walking towards the Red Sea. They're walking to a dead end. What? That's kind of crazy. But God wants us to move forward, and then he does this miracle. He doesn't tell us, stay there. He tells us, move forward. Move forward for him to do his miracle. So he's telling him, move forward. Tell the move. And then he says, I want you to stretch out your hand with your staff over the water. And, of course, you know the story. The waters part. The waters part. He says, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Okay. So when we face our Red Sea moments, we can trust that God has a plan. If God led, it to, led us to that. So God's action. Let's go to God's action. And we have to see God, his act. I want to move through these because I want to get to the last point. You know, God, what he did, he made his pill, the pillar of fire, the angel of God. He separates Egypt and Israel, separates them, puts this wall between them, and then God causes a wind to blow all night. It's going to be parting the waters. Now, there's an interesting thing. Now, if there was, if I was standing there, I was going to, if I was pursuing the Israelites and I saw this big fire coming down, that'd probably say, well, you know, let's go back home, guys. <laughs> fire scares us. And then Israel, to Israel, if they saw this big wall of, uh, this cloud, said, yep, God's got this. So you think I'll bolster their confidence. But for some reason, and this is a mystery the commentators haven't figured out yet. I haven't figured it out. For some reason, this cloud by night, this fire by night and this cloud by day, it wasn't enough to scare off the Egyptians, and it wasn't enough to give Israel greater confidence. Something about it looked natural. We don't know what it was, but anyway. But God did this. He separated the people. Moses stretches his hand over it with a staff. The wind blows, and then after it split, Israelites, they walk through on dry ground, a wall of water on the right, a wall of water on the left. God makes a way where there's no way. And the Egyptians, at a certain time, God sees in the morning, he sees the Egyptians there, and he takes away the cloud, and the Egyptians see the, the Israelites going through the water, and not one time do they say, oh, we better not go there. No, they do. They, they're so intent on getting the Israelites, they go through there, and then as the Israelites on the other side, God tells Moses to stretch his hand out of the water again, and the waters collapse back over them and destroys destroys Israel's enemies. Now think about this for a moment. Would that encourage your faith? 
If you had this experience in your life, you're scared out of your mind, and you just saw in one fell swoop, God destroyed your enemies. These people that held you in slave for 430 years, God just destroyed them just like that. And you're like, whoa, what would you think? They wrote a song the next day. Moses did. It's the song of Moses. And they sing it in the book of Revelation too, right? The song of Moses. But I want you to notice a few things. Verse 14 through 18. Chapter 15, verses 14 through 18. I want you to notice Israel's faith. Their faith, they are on a mountaintop. They're seeing something. And I'm going to tell you something. When you're on a mountaintop and God gives you an experience like this, take notice of it. Do not forget it. Hold it, hold it tight. And take it with you wherever you go. Look at what he said, verse 14 through 18. Now let me start with verse 13. Chapter 15, verse, uh, verse 13. It says, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. Now, notice that? They were accusing God of killing them. What, you're going to kill us. And now they're saying, oh, you love us. You know, uh, you have led in your steadfast love. That's just the word for grace in the Old Testament. Your chesed, your steadfast love, pursuant love. God, you pursued us even though we don't deserve it. You have led in your steadfast love the people who, whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Where? To your holy abode. The peoples have heard... They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of who? Philistia. Philistia. The Philistines, they're, they're the people in the promised land right now. They're the people they're going to kick out. Okay? Now they are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Who is that? The people who are stuck in a promised land. They're going to kick them out. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are as a still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Now, we talked about it last week, Kadesh Barnea, remember? They said, we look like grasshoppers to them, and they looked at us as we were grasshoppers. They said, we're scared of them. They're not scared at all. But they understand in this moment that all the enemies of God in the promised land are shaking in their boots. They will be. And we know this is true. This is true because 40 years later, when they finally go in and the battle of Jericho, you remember Rahab the harlot, she tells them, we are, we heard about you guys. We are scared to death. When they finally go into Jericho for four, for 40 years, that whole, that whole city was scared because they heard about the living God being strong on behalf of his people. So for them walking into their, their, their too much for us was a dead, was a dead lie. If they, had, they could have gone into that land and the land would have been scared of them because they heard about what God had done for them. What happened was, here it is, they are seeing clearly what God wants to do. They're going to bring us into the land, the Moabites, the Edomites, the Philistines, all these people, they're trembling and God's going to bring us into that land and he's going to destroy them. 
He's going to do what he promised he said he was going to do. On the mountaintop, they saw the purpose of God. But they came down into the valley and they forgot the lesson. They forgot what they saw. And they gave in to the fear the next time it happened. I think there's a song. Remember in the valley what you saw in the mountaintop. There's this moment of light that you and I will experience. The Spirit of God will allow us to see it. Don't forget it. Don't let it go. So I ask you a question this morning. What Red Sea experience are you going through right now that God is bringing you through to develop your faith that causes you to see what God wants to do? What have you let go of? What lessons have you dismissed? Those lessons are still there. God is still God. God is still sovereign. His purposes are still there. I watched a few weeks ago. It's kind of interesting. Uh, the I think his name's Jared Jenkins, and he's the one that does the the show Chosen. And he shared about his Red Sea moment. There was one day they were doing the filming of Jesus and uh, actually uh, Peter and Andrew in this boat, and they only had like. Uh, four or five hours to shoot this this whole scene and they needed to shoot this scene it's really really bad but what happened was as they were getting ready and they had all everything set up there's a big fog that comes out over the water and you couldn't even see your hand in front of you hardly because of the fog and Jared's was he's upset okay well we'll wait for it to clear wait for it to clear two hours go by uh, three hours go by, and this window is just getting shorter and shorter. He calls his wife. His wife says, just believe God. God will do it. So, oh, yeah, right. And so he, he just kind of, he kind of dismisses it. And so at the end, they only have like a half hour left to do the scene. And he said, never forget it. He tells the crew, okay, pack up, guys. It's, it's not going to happen. I don't know when we're going to be able to get through the scene. And all of a sudden, as they start packing up, he looks out, it's clear. I don't believe it. It's clear. It's clear. <laughs> and when they go out there to do this, he says the weirdest thing because he actually did finally listen to his wife once in a while. I guess he does. This is what he prayed and, and God cleared. I mean, the fog cleared. And it's amazing because he was able to do not only that scene in 30 minutes, but there was another scene they were able to, the other shots they were able to set up for other scenes. And he said, whoa, God made a way when we didn't think there was a way. And then he shared some other Red Sea moments where, where, where we come to this place. He, and he was saying, why, God, why did, you, why did you do this? Why is this fog here? Why didn't you get rid of this? Well, God was doing it to Jared. He was doing this to show him specifically, Jared, I am God. I'm the one doing this. I, I'm in power here. Stop depending on yourself to do all this stuff. Let me be God. And we as Christians, sometimes we need to be reminded. Um, there are times I think that God, like certain pastors, we, we talk about, we, we get to talk with other pastors. And talk, they like to boast about their, their preaching plans. You know, I plan six months in advance. I have all this, for a whole year I've got my sermons planned, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, what happens when, uh, when God wants to show up? When God wants to do something? Have you ever, I said, hey, have you ever just, just walked into the pulpit with nothing and you say, God, just show up. 
Have you ever done that? <gasps> no, we wouldn't dare do that. See, I tell you what, sometimes I think God, God does that. He puts us in these positions where we don't get a thing. I remember years ago at church camp, I was praying for God to give me something. I was praying for, I was studying my Bible, studying it and studying it. And you know, the only thing, I had two words. Two words. And I didn't know what, what two words he gave me. And what, what is this? And, and I couldn't get anything else. But I remember at camp, I got up there, read, read the passage. It was basically, it's on Isaiah somewhere. And I read the two words. And all of a sudden, as I read those two words, all the other thoughts started coming into my mind. Everything that God wanted me to say came in that moment. And then I realized, God, you know, this is not about me. It's about you and your power. And sometimes we can plan God out of things. We can, we can develop our lives where we're not looking to God. We're not trusting in God. And so sometimes God has to bring us to this place where he gets our attention. So he says, you know what? I am your way. I am the truth and I am your life. Don't look away from me. Trust in me. Depend on me moment by moment. Some of you are in some very impossible situations. I'm going to tell you, don't be afraid. God's with you. God's in that with you. Stand firm. See the salvation of God. Look for him. I've been in a lot of impossible situations. And there are times when I chose to worry. And I'm going to tell you, there are times I chose not to worry. And I said, God's got this. And you know what? God does get it. God works. So I want you to encourage your faith. Where's your faith this morning? I encourage that. Trust God. And this morning, if you don't know God, you don't know Christ, God gives you the opportunity to come to know Him. But you come to know Him by faith, trusting that He is and is a reward of them that diligently seek Him. Why do we seek God? Because we believe that He exists. He is, even though we don't see Him. And when we start doing that, we start seeing God do some interesting things in our day and our lives. Okay? Thank you for listening. I pray that you were encouraged in your faith. This is Pastor Will. Till next time, may God bless you and keep you.